Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, welcome, everyone. Uh, it's so good to share the Word of God. Uh, uh, it's a great uh, honor and a privilege to be able to speak the Word of God into uh, your situation, into your life, into your heart, wherever you're listening from. And um, it's interesting times that we're all dealing with, we're all facing, and it's not just you know within Australia, it's the nations of the world. Remember, actually, we, we in Australia are doing really, really well considering some of the nations that are on much lo- uh, stricter lockdowns. Um, many, many, many people have died and many people are fighting for life. So why don't we just pray right now for those that are on the front lines, those that are fighting for other people's lives, they're risking their lives to keep other people alive. Father, we thank you for the doctors. We thank you for the nurses. We thank you, Father, for, for everyone that's fighting on the front lines, Lord. Even the scientists that are looking for a vaccine, Lord. We just thank you for your glory, your protection, that you would protect them. We pray for those that have have this virus. We speak healing into their bodies. They will live and not die. Lord, we pray for healing right now in Jesus' name. We command the coronavirus to die and shrivel up and die in Jesus' name in their bodies. And even, Lord, we thank you right across the world right now. We thank you as we come in, come in agreement with the body of Christ, as the church of Jesus Christ raises up their voices and prays. We thank you that you hear from heaven and still this plague and stop this virus. We command it to stop in the name of Jesus. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. You know, we, we are facing very interesting times. Many people are, are afraid, uh, full of fear, and, and, you know, people are afraid for their life. Um, you know, I, I walk the streets because I, I exercise, and I go for prayer walks, and, um, you know, sometimes you're walking, people are just literally walking right around you, you know, like, because they're just, you know, and, you know, some people just want to protect themselves. I understand that. Um, but, but just people, there's a lot of fear out there. That's what I'm trying to say. And uh, in this time, as, um, Many nations have shut down. We, we spoke about last week, we believe in a sense it's the Lord shaking the nations. We spoke about the gods of this world have fallen. Who would have thought a few months ago that someone told you that the, the travel would stop? I mean, there would be no airplanes flying, um, you know, uh, from nation to nations. And, and, and who would have said entertainment would stop? Who would have said the sports would, would stop? There'll be no more sports, no more rugby league or gridiron or, you know, wherever you're from, soccer, if you're from Europe. You know, who would have thought the clubs, the pubs, the restaurants, would, you would not be able to sit down and eat. And, and many nations locked down. And so, so in a sense, the, the gods of this world that we've put in number one before God have fallen and God is shaking the nations. What happens when, when something's shaking? It means your foundation is being shaken. What you build your life on has been shaken. And when your foundation is faulty and it's shaking, you don't feel really comfortable because you feel that you know what you built your life on is no longer there. You look for the right foundation. You look for security. You look for why are we here? What's the purpose of life? So people are hungry. People are looking. People are searching. This is God's church. The church of Jesus Christ is great as our to rise up and shine. And I really believe that with all my heart. But as God is in his wisdom, you know, the nations of the world have shut down uh, their, their, their society and, and, and the economy and, and have restricted people to their homes in a big way. It means a lot of people got a lot of time. And so my encouragement to you, this word from God, that's I believe burning in the heart of Jesus, is that Jesus is enough. In this time, in this season, Jesus is enough. He, he always is. He's always enough. I mean, He is the one and only. 
The Bible talks about him being the one and only. He's magnificent. He's glorious and he's full of splendor and love for you. He's in love with you. I want to read from Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, come to me. Jesus said this, come to me, all you that labor and are heavily laden. Those that are weary, that word labor is weary if you're tired and you're heavily laden. And he goes, come to me and I will give you rest. This is a time where people need rest. They need rest for their soul. They need rest in their hearts. They need rest in their thoughts and in their minds. And, and, and Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek. He said, I am humble and I'm lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. Jesus, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is life. Light. So if your yoke is not easy, if life seems to be hard and you feel like your burden is not light, it feels heavy, that means something's amiss. Because Jesus says, if you come to him, he'll make your yoke easy, your burden light. So one of the symptoms of not being Jesus' one and only, one of the symptoms of, of not going after Jesus and where Jesus is enough is being weary and being tired. And, and not having rest. In others, full of anxiety, full of stress. Fear is a symptom, I believe, where we're not spending time in the presence of God. Because when you spend time with God, you abide under the shadow of the Almighty and He gives you faith. The Bible talks about we have a shield of faith that quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That means all of them. That means any, any fiery dart that's fear should be quenched by my shield of faith. I can live at peace and I can rest. David said, even if 10,000 people were falling at my right side. He even said, even if 10,000 people were trying to hunt me down and kill me, because that's what was happening to him in a time of war, Saul was trying to kill David. He was running in the mountains. And he says, I'll go to sleep, even if 10,000 people are trying to look for me and kill me. I mean, imagine that. But when you come to Jesus, I love this thing that Jesus says about himself, that he, I am meek. That means he's saying, I am humble. Think about this for a second. The creator of the universe becomes a man. God who owns everything, is everything, spoke everything to existence, humbles himself and becomes a man who's born as a baby and in a manger. This is your God. And he says of him, he doesn't say, I'm almighty and I'm all powerful. He could have said that. He could have said, I'm holy and I'm majestic. He didn't say that. He says, I am humble. Isn't that beautiful about Jesus? That Jesus says that the attribute that he wants to take from who he is, he wants to remind us that he's humble. When we come to him, he wants to say, I am humble. I believe humility is the key to come into Jesus. I believe it's the key to come into the presence of God. When we come to God, um, Jesus is made unto us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, he's made unto us wisdom, righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So, so if, if, we're, if we're living in sin or if we're habitual sin or we're bound by habits and destructive habits, it's another sign, a symptom that we're not spending time with Jesus. Because when you spend time with Jesus, He empowers you with His love and He gives you the victory over sin. Because Jesus has made unto us righteousness. He's made unto us holiness. And it, 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 holiness is a byproduct of looking to Jesus. So I'm talking about today, basically, Jesus is enough. Therefore, we have to come to him and we look to him. Look into his beautiful face. Spend time with him. We've got time now. And it's so important that we give him the time. Even if you are busy, 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 and we're not spending time with God, I'll tell you what, it's our priority that's wrong. 
It's because we fell out of love with the lover of our soul. God loves us so dearly. I remember the Lord said to me, Leo, if you are the only person on the planet left, no one else to love. The Lord said to me in my heart, he said, I, would lo- I wouldn't love you any more than I, ever, that, that I love you right now. Think about it for a second. If there's no one else on the planet to love, the Lord said, I wouldn't love you any more than I already do now. He also said to me in that same phrase, he basically is trying to say to me, I wouldn't long for you. If there was no one else left on the planet, just you. The only person I can love is you. Think about yourself. Put yourself in that scenario. You're the only person that God could love. There's no one else anywhere in heaven and earth anywhere. You're the only person that he could love. The Lord says, I wouldn't long for you. I wouldn't long for you any more than I already do now. God longs for you. He loves when you spend time with him. He actually longs for you to pour out your heart to him. He loves to kiss you. You know, the Bible talks about um, in Song of Solomon, talks about the bridegroom. And he says, kiss me with the kisses of your lips. Kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. We need God to kiss us. What does that mean? Not physically, obviously, but a spiritual kiss. Where he comes and embraces you. It's an intimate picture of love romantic love. It's an intimate picture that God's in love with you. He says, your, your love is better than wine. God's love is better than wine. Now, what does wine do? It intoxicates you. But God's love intoxicates you. It's better than wine. It can't even be compared to wine. But the Bible's trying to get us to understand that even wine, you understand wine? Well, God's better than that. God's way better than that. You know, we see the, the fruits of the Spirit, I believe, is a result of being with Jesus. Because we know now that Jesus went to heaven. He died on the cross. He, he was buried for three days, but he was resurrected, defeated death and hell, took the keys of death and hell, and was raised and seated in heavenly places with, with God. Basically, the Bible says Jesus was seated at the right hand of God. Imagine that, right? He's there, right? In heaven, far above all principalities and powers and might, and he's seated. To me, the picture of seated means... His work is finished and he's at rest. He's seated. He's ruling. He's reigning. And he's given his spirit to us that put our faith in Christ. So when you're communing with God, one of the results of it is love, joy, peace. These are the fruits of the spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, humility. There's that word again, humility. And self-control. So again, if we're lacking love, if we're lacking joy in this time, I mean, joy is a fruit of being with the, God, with the Lord. It's the, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if I'm a little bit down and a bit depressed and a bit sad, maybe it's a result of me not spending time with the Lord Jesus. Because when I spend time with Him, I can't stay depressed. When I spend time with Him, I, He fills me with love. It, when I spend time with Him, I can't stay deep in despair or worry or anxiety. He gives me peace. And so getting back to that word humility, Jesus refers to himself as humble. I'm lowly in heart because it's the key to God's presence. It's the key to spending time with Jesus. It's the key to making that Jesus is enough. You look at John, the beloved, the apostle, you know, we call him the beloved John, Jesus. I'm sorry, when John wrote about Jesus and he wrote the book of John, he goes, uh, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. That's how he spoke of himself. There was a time, there was a picture, I think it was the Last Supper, where John had his head on Jesus' chest. 
Imagine the close relationship he had with him. Imagine how much he loved Jesus, that he could put his head on his chest and feel even his heartbeat, can feel his breathing. John was close to Jesus. He knew that Jesus was everything. He knew that Jesus was enough. And you know what happened to John? John, uh, he preached the gospel when Jesus went to you know, heaven and John preached the gospel for many, many years. When he grew old, they tried to get rid of him. They tried to kill him. I mean, they reckon, his historians say that they tried to boil him in oil and he wouldn't die. And they tried to kill him many times and he couldn't die. And you know what? Uh, they, they thought, let's get rid of him. Let's put him on an island called Patmos. It's basically a prison because it says that he was there because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. They wanted to shut him up, basically. They basically quarantined him from the world because they wanted to keep him away from everyone else because he's got something they didn't want to catch. He's got the presence of God. He's got the Holy Spirit. He's got the love of God. And it's infectious. And they go, let's quarantine him, put him on an island by himself. Basically, we don't want what he's got to spread to the world. And so they put him in an island to shut him down, to quarantine him, because they were afraid of what he's got. And it's contagious, by the way, but they put him there. So in the enemy's tactic was to shut him up and chain up the Word of God. But in the island, he gets a vision of Jesus. In, in, on the Lord's day, the Bible says he was in the Spirit and he heard behind him the voice of Jesus and it sounded like many waters. And then the Bible gives us this, a beautiful description of Jesus, not the suffering Jesus, the suffering servant, but we're talking about the resurrected, glorified Jesus. And, and, the, and I love the picture that the Bible gives us here of, of what John sees, Jesus. And he gets the whole book of Revelations, actually. So the whole book of Revelation, he writes, think about this. They're trying to shut him down, trying to quarantine him. They don't want to catch what he's got. But he writes the whole book of Revelations for thousands of years, millions and millions, even billions of Christians have been impacted by that one book. They tried to shut him down, but they couldn't. Even Paul, they tried to shut Paul down. They put him in prison because he was preaching the gospel, shaking the world upside down. And they put him in prison to shut the Word of God. He goes, but the Word of God cannot be chained. So he writes... We know that he wrote 14 letters of the New Testament, many of them while, while he was in prison. He wanted to get to Spain, but he couldn't get to Spain because he was in prison and chained up in Rome. But guess what? His letters, they tried to shut him down. Again, they quarantined him from the world. They don't want to catch what he's got. And they want to tell him, shut up, quiet, stop talking about Jesus. And you know what? He writes three quarters of the New Testament. And for thousands of years, millions of millions of Christians have been edified, encouraged and strengthened and guided and directed by the Word of God that he writes. When the enemy was trying to shut him out. And so again, maybe the enemy is trying to shut the church down. Trying to, but he can't. Because the Word of God can't be changed. So the Word is still going forth and still reaching the nations. And, and the church, I'll tell you what, when we, get back, when we get back to gatherings, and we get back to gatherings in the temple, daily in the temple, and from house to house, it's going to explode with the, river, with the river and presence of God, with the power of God. I believe that with all my heart. Jesus is so wonderful to behold. The book of Revelations, let me just quickly read this. The book of Revelations gives us a beautiful picture of Jesus because John the baptizer, uh, John the, uh, the apostle sees Jesus. Look what he says. Then I turned and I saw the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with garments down to his feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. He had a, a, a golden band around his chest that covered his heart. His head and his hair were white like wool. Think about that. His head was, and his head were white, 
pure white. Speaks of righteousness. And his, and his eyes were like flames of fire. If you looked into the eyes of Jesus, you feel the, the fiery love and passion that he has for you. He's deeply, deeply in love with you. You are the apple of his eyes. And John is trying to say, I looked into his eyes and it looked like his eyes were on fire. How does he use human words? How does he use human words to explain how he's seen Jesus? He has his feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace. And the, the fine brass in the Old Testament speaks of judgment. Jesus was judged for our sins. He took the penalty for our sin, your sin, my sin. Jesus was sinless, but yet died on the cross as if he was the sinner. So the judgment of God was consumed when Jesus died. I love this about Jesus. He's, the Bible speaks of him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what the Bible says, that he is the lamb. Jesus is the lamb. He's an innocent lamb. In the Old Testament, they took innocent lamb, slay it, put the blood on, on the top of the doorpost, and the angel of death couldn't touch it. Also, the, 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 the blood of the lamb would cover their sin for a year. And so it's a picture of an innocent animal without spot, without wrinkle, that pointed to Jesus being the son of the living God, without spot, without wrinkle, without sin, who dies on the cross in our place so that... We can be forgiven. We can have right standing with God and we are reunited with God. And right now, because of what Jesus did, because when God does something, He does it completely perfect. His sacrifice is perfect. It's a perfect sacrifice. And therefore, there is nothing in the way between God and humanity, except when you think or believe there's something in the way. So if you believe your sin's in the way because you never accepted Jesus, then, that, then that's, that's what's going to separate you from God. Because the only way for salvation, the only way for forgiveness, the only way for redemption and to have right standing with God and to go come into a relationship with God is to put your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross and to accept His sacrifice and believe completely that He died in your place because then it reunites you to God as a Father. And so Jesus took our judgment here. It says here, He had his, his, in His right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance, look at this, and his countenance was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When John fell, saw Jesus, the Bible says he fell down. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. In other words, man, if Jesus walked into your room full of the glory that he really has, you'd fall down as dead. That's how beautiful he is. That's how glorious he is. That's how magnificent, that's how loving he is. But he says of himself, I am humble. Now, I believe humility is the key to the presence of God. Now, why is this? Let me read. James chapter 4 says, But he gives more grace, whereof he, has, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Think about that for a second. God resists the proud. So if we got pride in our hearts, God himself is resisting you. I mean, everyone, you think about it, anyone walks in the room and they're full of pride and arrogance, we all automatically resist them. When they're full of themselves and full of selfishness and pride and arrogance, we just automatically resist them. God resists mankind when we've got pride and arrogance in our hearts. Now, when we've got pride and arrogance, we're actually saying, I don't need you, God. That's why God resists us, because we're actually pushing Him away. We're saying, we don't want you, we don't need you. Let me say this, prayerlessness, when we don't want to spend time with God, is an attitude of arrogance. It's self-dependency. It's saying, I'm okay today. I don't need to pray. I'm okay today. I don't have to spend time with you. I, I, I'm okay today. I, I don't need your help. 
when we're not spending time with Him. Again, I'm not talking about a duty. I'm not talking about a have to. I'm talking about wanting to spend time with God because I know my need. So, so if pride pushes us away, God Himself pushes us away. It says, but gives. God gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but God gives grace to the humble. So humility is the key to, to God's presence. And I, when I think of humility, I think of seeing yourself through the way God sees you. I, I think it's also, Jesus says, I don't do anything except what I see my father do. And he said this too, I don't say anything except I see my father say it. So when he says it, then I hear it and I say it. So that means his total dependence on God was his humility. He didn't do anything in his own strength, self-reliance, self-ambition, self, um, you know, looking to yourself for the answer. He goes, whatever I do, I see the Father do it, then I do it. That's true humility. It's, in other words, true humility is being totally dependent on God. And it's a beautiful thing. Like when I come into God's presence, I, I do this. God, I need you desperately. I'm hungry for you. I'm, I'm nothing without you. See, that's, humility is the posture to come into God's presence. And I step in and I come into the one who loves me dearly. You know, the Bible says of Jesus, Jesus said this of himself, I am among you as one who serves. That's found in Luke 22 verse 27. He says, I am among you as one who serves. Jesus came to serve. There was a time where Jesus took his outer garment off and you know, got a towel got a basin of water and washed his disciples' feet. Now, I don't know about you, but imagine the Lord of glory, like I explained how magnificent the Lord is, God became a man, and then he would, if I was there, I believe, because I'm, a, I'm valued by God as much as those disciples were, and you are too, imagine Jesus for a second, stooped down with a basin and washed your feet. That's a beautiful picture of humility. God loves you so much. Humility Opens up our heart to hunger and thirst. If we don't, if we're full of pride and arrogancy, we're saying to God, I don't need you. But Jesus is saying, He's enough. He wants to kiss you with the kisses of His lips. He's in love with you. He wants you dearly, but we've got to want Him. He's paid the price completely. I know the Bible talks about Jesus dying on the cross and defeating death and hell. And this is the gospel. This is the gospel of the kingdom. That God became a man and took our place on that cross so that we could be totally free and have a relationship with God. There's nothing in the way between God and man. And the Bible says God made His home in our hearts. The Holy Spirit now lives in our hearts as a believer. God lives inside of you if you become a believer. He makes His residence with you. And the Bible says that Jesus went to heaven at the right hand of the Father. He sits down. And guess what the Bible says? That we were also raised with Christ, seated with Christ in heavenly places. So imagine this for a second. If I went to heaven, if you went to heaven, you stood before the throne. Jesus is sitting on His throne. I would fall down as dead. I would fall down and worship Him. I'd go, oh God, Lord. And I would cry like a baby. I really would. But I, you know what I think Jesus would do? This is what I think Jesus would do. He would lift me up and lift you up, pick you up, look you in your eye. Shoulder to shoulder, eyeball to eyeball. And he'd go, sit down. Isn't that humbling? How can you say God would do that? Jesus said he did it. Jesus said we sat down with Christ in heavenly places. That's the humility of our God. That he moves aside, he goes, Leo, sit down. And then if you do sit down on his throne, how humble would you feel? Because you know you didn't do a thing to deserve this. Not one thing, but he lets you sit there. 
And then look at the world through that viewpoint. Sitting at the right hand of the Father God because we're seated in Christ. Now you might think, Leah, you're taking it too far. No, I'm not. I'm speaking the Scripture. This is the Word of God. Jesus is in love with you. You know, the, you know, the, the very things that, I love the fact what's happening to, to some degree. I mean, not, not, that, not, not that people are dying, not at all. No, I, what I love is that even the church and the ministry and idols and sport and entertainment, I know it could grieve people's hearts when I'm saying this. You know, what are you talking about, Leo? Because I think God wants our attention. I think God's shaking the nation because He's so in love with us. And He wants us to be with Him. And so, so, so yes, like if you're a, a man of God or a woman of God, and your ministry could be your God. In other words, the very things God gives you, you can, you can even, you can give all your attention to the things that God gives you. The work of God can take your attention, even though it's something we need to do. We, we need to do the work of God, but never, never neglect the Lord of the work. We do the work of the Lord, but what about the Lord of the work? And so, you know, Abraham um, was looking for a bride. And so he sends his servant to find a bride. And he goes to another, uh, you know, region. And um, he's, he's got f- 10 camels full of gifts, full of gold and silver and jewels and precious stones. And he's looking for the bride. He finally finds the bride. Her name's Rebecca. <coughs> and he gives her those gifts. He gives her a ring. He gives her a bracelet. And, and those camels were all these gifts. What for? To bring the bride to the bridegroom. To bring her to him. Now, if she got so excited about the gifts and just loved the gifts, and oh, I love these gifts, and just enjoyed the gifts and didn't go to the bridegroom, that would be a problem. And sometimes the church does that. God gives us so many gifts and we enjoy the gifts. The very gifts that God gives us could be power, could be miracles, could be signs, could be ministry, could be preaching, could be, could be people, could be gatherings. And, and he gives us these things to enjoy. But we could put all our attention on those things rather than the giver of the gift. You know, a saint went to Jesus and spent time with Jesus and Jesus appeared to this saint of old and, and this is what he said, do you desire good things? There is no one good but me. Do you desire blessing? Who is more blessed than me? Do you desire power? Who is more powerful than me? Do you desire spiritual heights? Am I not the pinnacle? Do you desire riches? Are they not hidden in me? Do you desire wisdom? Who has more wisdom than me? Do you desire help? Who can help you but me? Do you seek peace? Am I not the prince of peace? Do you seek life? Am I not life itself? Do you desire beauty? Who is more beautiful than me? That's what Jesus said to them. I believe Jesus, he revealed to himself as the bridegroom. Did you know that? He could have revealed, if he could have revealed himself as the chef. And if he was the great chef, he would have fed you food. But he reveals himself as the bridegroom because he's, he wants to marry you. He wants to have intimacy with you. He wants to have love relationship with you. And when you're in love, you let go of everything else. You know, when I fell in love with my wife, now because we've, we've lived together for 27 years, but when I first fell in love with her and we weren't married, and I had to drive down to Melbourne to spend time with her. You think it was a, a, a duty? Do you think it was hard? Do you think it was, oh, this is such a sacrifice? No, I rejoiced driving down to Melbourne. I couldn't wait to see her. Why? Because when you're in love, you don't care the price you pay. You don't care about the sacrifice that you might have. You just can't wait to be with the one that you love. And that's 
I believe what Jesus was saying when he said these words. Unless you hate your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your, your husband and your wife, even your children, even your own life. Unless you hate them, that means unless you love them less. That's what it actually means when you look it up. You're not worthy to be my disciple, Jesus said. No, I, when I used to read that, when I first read that as a young man, a baby, baby Christian, I just opened up the Bible, started to read it for myself. When I read that, I go, what? That's a hard saying. What do you mean I'm supposed to not love my I'm supposed to love my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, my husband, my wife, my children, even myself, less. They would say, I'm not worthy to be his disciple. That didn't make sense. It felt like it was a hard saying. It felt like God's asking too much. But he's not saying not to love them. He's just saying, don't love them more than me. He's saying, love me with all your heart. He even says, unless you're willing to deny yourself, take up your cross, you're not worthy to be my disciple. In other words, you've got to lay down your life too, your own desires. Why? Because when you're in love, you forget yourself. It's like, when you, it's like when I marry my wife. Imagine if I said to my wife, I want to marry you. Would you marry me? But, you know, you're allowed to sleep around anytime you want. You can just be with any man anytime you want. Just, uh, I don't mind. Just be. I mean, that sounds disgusting, doesn't it? Why? Because love demands her all. If I marry my wife, I expect her to give me her whole heart. And that's what Jesus does. That's what love does. When you understand love in its purest sense, He just wants all of you. He doesn't want nothing else put aside to other things. He gives you the time and the energy and the love to love other things, but only when you make Him number one. God is so good. He's in love with you. He wants to kiss you with the kisses of His lips. He's desperately in love with you. Second Corinthians 11, verse 2 to 3. You need to know that God's passion, sorry, this is Paul writing this, Paul the Apostle. You need to know that God's passion is burning inside me for you because like a loving father, I have pledged you, pledged your hand in marriage to Christ. There's a picture of marriage again. Your true bridegroom. I've also promised that I would present his fiance to him as a pure virgin bride. But now I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's clever lies, your thoughts may be corrupted. This is it. And you may lose your single-hearted devotion and pure love for Christ. God just wants us to have our single-hearted devotion and pure love for Christ. And understanding that Christ is enough. When's the last time that you've allowed Him to kiss you? When's the last time that you allowed Him Sometimes we pray and we try to do all the words, all the speaking, all the words. When's the last time you just let go and just let him love you? Just let him kiss you. Just let him, let his waves of his presence wash you. And let him fill you with his love because he loves you dearly. Just go to let go and accept. Just accept his love. He wants to love you, but we've got to give him time. We've got to spend time in his presence. It's, it's all about relationship. And I would encourage you in this season, in this time, Jesus is enough. Spend time with him. Look into his beautiful face, shining brighter than the sun. His eyes are flamed of fire. I've looked into my daughter's eyes, which, you know, especially when she was younger, and I remember looking so eyeball to eyeball. And we say, hey, I can see myself in you. We can see the, our own reflection when you're looking. And that's what God the Father wants of us. He wants us to look into his eyes to the point that we see Jesus in us, that we reflect Jesus because we look into his eyes. We become 
like who we behold. I'm finishing with this. This is um, Michael Kuliana said this. We look at oh, this one. In order, to, in order for my heart to love him constantly, my eyes must see him constantly. So when I'm, when I'm, if I want to love God constantly, I've got to see him constantly. I've got to always be before him. I've got to be able to see his face. I want to get into his word. I want to hear from his word. And, and this is another thing. We look to him and live. When I stop looking at him, I stop seeing him. When I stop seeing him, I stop desiring him. When I stop desiring him, I start looking for other things. That's why I've got to constantly look at him. You need to constantly look at him. Let him kiss you with the kisses of his lips. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us that in our homes or listening to this message, first of all, for those that don't know his love. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you never knew that God the Father became a man. God sent His Son to become a man and died on the cross in your place, in my place. So right now, if you put your faith in Him, it means to repent. The word repent means to change your mind, change your thinking and to about face and follow God. You were going that way, now you're following God. Give your life to Jesus, make Him your Lord, make Him your Savior and obey Him as your Lord. God promise, promises you He'll forgive you and cleanse you from everything you've ever done wrong. Literally everything you've ever done is deleted from the records. And then you have a clean slate, totally forgiven, no guilt, no shame, and now you have right standing with God. That's what the Lord God wants to give you as a gift. Just pray with me. Father God, I thank You for sending Jesus, dying on the cross for my sin. I open up my heart. I let you in, Lord Jesus. Be my Lord. Be my Saviour. I believe with all my heart you died on the cross for my sin. And I put my faith in you. And I'll follow you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Now I just want to pray for our hearts right now that our hearts will long for God and long. Because only, only if you say, Leo, I don't, I don't even have that desire to pray to God or spend time with God like you're talking about Him. But this is what you can say. I say this, Lord, give me the love to love you. It's easy to say, Lord, give me the love. Help me love you the way. Because I need His love to love Him. So Father, I thank You for every single person that's listening to this message and has watched this. I pray, Lord, if You, you touch their hearts, soften their hearts. And I pray for every single one of us, me included, that you give us all a heart to love you, Lord Jesus, to look into your beautiful face, to spend time with you and allow you to kiss us. Lord, help us to spend time in your word, in your presence, that everything we do is out of relationship. Lord, right now, I pray for healing. I pray for healing in their hearts, any wounds, any unforgiveness. You have to let go of any hurt, any pain, any unforgiveness that you're holding towards anybody. Release them right now, right now. Any fears that you might have, just let them go to God. Cast all your cares to God because He cares for you. I want to pray for healing. If you've got pain in your body, put, put your hands on your body right now. We're going to pray for healing. Jesus said, we should go into the world, preach this gospel of the kingdom, pray for the sick and they should recover. So I pray for healing right now, no matter what ailment they'll have, no matter what disease, whether it's cancer, whether it's Lord uh, blindness, Lord deafness, Lord. Father, we come against heart problems right now. 
brain tumours. We speak healing in the name of Jesus. We curse this sickness. We command it to leave their bodies in the name of Jesus. Even the spirit of fear, we break it right now over their lives. In Jesus' name. And Lord, bring healing to your body. In Jesus' name. listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.